And welcome to Play on K, the Korean Drama Podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this week we're talking about our favorite ever K drama, The K2. Yay! <laughs> Episodes 5 through 8 this week. So if you haven't watched them, go check out Episodes 5 through 8 because I did not take great notes this week, so it's going to be a little bit of a mess. Yeah, mine are kind of trash too, but it's fine because uh, I just feel like in my mind I've justified my trash notes by being like, I love it so much that obviously I can say like thoughtful, insightful things about it, right? Right. I think that's what I'm going off of, and that everyone's watching the dramas. Yeah. I count on that a lot from week to week. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I forgot about? What? Shake cam. Like, the oh, shake cam through the When hole. it gets intense? Yeah. Stop using your iPhone for the most intense <laughs> scenes. It's, it's, it's very special for me these past two weeks as well, because I don't know if you or our listeners have ever heard of Airplane Ear. But essentially, the pressurized cabin on the airplane on the way home busted something in my inner ear, and I went and saw a doctor, and he was like, oh yeah, you just have to wait this one out. But in essence, I've had vertigo for two weeks, and shake cam doesn't help. Wow, I've never heard of that. That's awful. Yeah, it's been rough. It's been rough two weeks. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of shake cam. Thanks, the, <laughs> the only one that I can really remember is Anna's big coming out moment and the madam, like, rushing to her. That was a lot. Yeah. It was just, like, shaking, like, zoomed in, shaking back and forth between the two of them. And I was just like, okay, cool, yeah, we're doing this. Stop. Could someone get, like, a camera stabilizer for the camera guy? <laughs> having a hard time. So good to know. Good to know that that is actually a real problem. Yeah. It It can be prevented if you know about it. I didn't know about it, and so I didn't do anything to prevent it. How do you prevent it? Uh, I fly a lot. I'm really (laughs) scared now. Uh, the, The typical suggestions are not to sleep while taking off or landing. Um, you can sleep, like, while the plane is, is at a normalized pressure, but other than that, uh, don't sleep. And then, like, to, like, plug your nostrils and blow out through your nose so that you're, like, putting pressure in your head so that when the, the pressurization happens, you're equalizing it. And, um... Then, like, make sure you're not stuffed up or congested. So, like, take antihistamines, like, an hour before flying. And just stuff like that. You know, the general, the general, like, people typically take antihistamines like Benadryl anyway, so they can sleep. So it's usually not a big deal, but. Oh. I never thought of that. Yeah. I don't take medicine before my flight. I'm like, well, going to be. Having a hard time on this flight anyway. Either way. <laughs> not gonna add drugs to the mix. 
<laughs> it made me think of uh, when they drugged, uh, bringing it back to the K2, when they drugged <laughs> Anna on an airplane ride. And I just thought that was so cruel. I was like, what happens if her entire ear just decides to shatter itself and she has vertigo for the rest of her life? How does that sound? She could not deal with one more problem. It would be so sad if she also had vertigo. I know, right? Just like a little bit seasick all the time is the last thing she needs. I realized in these last four episodes, I think I put my finger on why I don't like her. Why she's such a problem to me. What is your determination? Because I have a couple of theories but okay. also, like, I'm just generally annoyed by her, I think. So it would be good to, like, yeah, get get an exact read on that situation. Yeah, we'll throw out our theories for a few minutes here. These four episodes were much more focused on the kind of romance side of the drama than the action side of the drama. So there's a lot more Anna. My theory is that I don't like her. Because K2's last girlfriend, Rania, was, like, so cool. She was so independent, so bad at, like, she just did everything for herself. She learned Korean without ever going to Korea. She became this awesome translator. I don't know, she just, she seemed very cool and put together and independent and Anna's the opposite. She relies on way too many people for way too many things. And, like, is not grateful for a single one of them. It's always about her problems. And <laughs> she always needs more. Give her anything and she'll ask you for ten more things. Yes. it's She's very selfish. That's kind she's of, very selfish. That's where I came to, is that she's selfish in a helpless kind of way. It's one thing if someone's selfish. Like, I think you could make a case for a lot of the characters in this show being selfish people. But most of them aren't selfish and helpless. But she is both of those things. So she expects things because her life has been hard. And that's a lot to handle because, I don't know, you... It's just hard to get behind a character. I get it. Her life has been exceptionally bad. It's been a it's been a rough ride for her whole life. But that said, it's hard to get behind her and feel bad for her when she's demanding that you feel bad for her. Yeah. I think I just wanted to have a therapist so bad. I think she's broken inside. So it's very hard to not feel anything but bad for her. But yeah, the constant demand for things that she needs is like, mm, I don't like that. It makes me mad at you, but I feel like I shouldn't be mad at you. Because your life has been so hard. Yeah, it's so conflicting. But in the end, it just leaves me feeling pretty salty about her character, just generally. Yes. It's too conflicting for me. I don't want to be mad at myself. I just want to be mad at Anna and not feel bad about it. Right? Oh, man. Anna. I can't remember... Because that's just, like, where we're at with her character, too. It's like, that's just who she is. I can't remember if it gets better or not. I guess we're all in that ride together. Yeah. I can't think of a part where I was like, 
Yeah, Team Anna now. So, this will be fun. I can't say it doesn't happen. It might happen. I just forgot. But we'll wait. We'll wait it out and see. Yeah, because there's like a million other better characters to focus on anyway, so... Yeah! Just before we get too serious, I just wanted to share this little fun fact behind the scenes that got a new notebook. Because I finished a whole notebook for the first year of Play on K. What? That came at such a good time. Right? So fortuitous. Yep. Tomorrow is our official birthday. Like, official, official. The 26th, I think, was our first post. Yeah, that's today for me. (gasps) What? It's our birthday in Japan. It's our birthday in Japan. I have to celebrate somehow. Yeah. I need cake. (laughs) Wow. Is there a better reason to have cake? I don't think so. Birthdays. Yeah. So excited. I'm so excited. I've decided to go with a food theme for my notebooks. Someday I'll sell all these notebooks as a collector's edition, so I just wanted to go with a theme to keep them in mind. <laughs> it's brilliant. What do I think of that? Mine just says happy jotting on the cover, which is cute, but like... I think that's way cute. But it's hard to theme that. Yeah. Unless you get a second one that's exactly the same. Yeah. We'll sell them someday. It'll be great. Um, but I was too excited about my new notebook, so I didn't write too much in it. Didn't take a lot of notes. I feel like I wrote a lot, but I did that thing where I was just like, I'll definitely remember the context of this note. And so I wrote something really vague, like, allergies. <laughs> and it's like, that what? one I do remember the context, too. What is it? Uh, she's allergic to strawberries. Oh. Yeah, okay. But most of them are like that, and I cannot remember all of them. (laughs) Fair enough. I pretty much, um, for 5, 6, and 7, I just wrote the opener, the best part of the episode, and then the cliffhanger. I thought that would suffice. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it helps you remember a lot of stuff, because there's this... K-drama has such a good flow to it that it's like, if you remember the way the episode starts and ends, then you can remember most of the episode. But I'll fill in the deets. Okay. I also feel like there's, like you said, there's so much flow, but there's so many, like, just looks between people that you're like, should I write that down? That he looked at her? That she looked at him this way? I'm pretty sure that's what this look meant. Did they just become telepathic? At one point, they do. At one point, it's just after uh, the madam shows up at the house and all of the, like, people, the internet people and reporters are there, and they look at each other, and it focuses on the madam's face, and she thinks, like, something like, what are you doing? And then it focuses on Anna, and she thinks, like, taking control of my life. I can't remember what the words she thought were, but it was so funny to me. That they're staring at each other, having, like, an internal conversation, and you know they probably do- I don't know. They're expressive, but also they probably can't get those sentences off the other's expression. Who knows, though? Maybe they mm-hmm. have more of a connection than we ever knew. I don't know, maybe that's just how enemies work. I've never had a true enemy. Yeah, me neither. 
Though occasionally the uh, Eugen, the madam, looks at Anna and the expression on her face looks like her eyes are so angry they're going to pop out of her head. And I think it's a really good expression because I think I've made that expression at like my coworkers in the past. <laughs> I think it's too over the top. It is not my favorite. It's I think she looks bad. too crazy. She does. She looks insane. But I also know the feeling when you're just so mad at someone, but you can't say anything about it. You're just like, I can't believe that I have to endure this moment. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> right. I'm glad for that perspective on it. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's jump into it. Let's do a quick review. Right. Episode 5. Yeah. Um, so the last cliffhanger was really cool. There's like a shadow on the roof. And then K2 calls the other guard. J4. J4. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I know she has a name and I know I'll get it at some point. Because <laughs> I really like that girl. So he calls J4 and she does not pick up. Which I think leads to a very funny storyline of her being like, look, I didn't pick up. I watched you call, and I just decided, and he's like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) I can't stand that cringe humor. Yeah, like that situational humor that just, like, I want to crawl out of my skin whenever she interacts with him. I love it. I hate cringe humor most of the time, but for some reason, I feel like she does it so well. Yeah, she's pretty good at it. She, uh, she and K1, the other guy in the house, other male guard in the house, kill me in so many different ways. Because, yeah, they've got that, uh, that same kind of situational discomfort that can be pretty funny, but they also are, like, just so dumb. They're so dumb sometimes, and I enjoy it so much. I love it. Like I said, usually not a fan of cringe humor. But for some reason, this little triangle of characters, this little triangle of cringe is so good to me. <laughs> um. So yeah, he calls her, she does not pick up, but he like parkours onto the roof. And finds Anna crying. And she cries every day. Every day. A lot. She cries a lot every day. Guys, if you're crying every day, you need to get some help. Like, on the real. Yeah. Like, that is a lot. That's a heavy load to bear. And you shouldn't have to do it alone. And so, like, talk to someone. Anna doesn't really have that privilege in the show. She doesn't have the ability to talk to anyone, and that's rough. Because, yeah, every day she just cries and talks to kittens. Not every day, but that was nice, yeah. so I thought I'd slip it in there. <laughs> that was pretty cute. Yeah. There's, I don't know why the romance in this drama is just so unappealing in so many ways to me. But some of the scenes that are really cute are, like, really cute. And some of them are just, like, please 
Like when he makes her the ramen and they're both dancing. I think they both say like, yes, at like the same time. And that was dang cute. I thought that was a cute moment. Yeah. But then they both start dancing and like running around. And I'm like, okay, no, like it's just ramen. Yeah, they get... I don't know. It's so weird, too, to think of it out or like in a different context when you don't really know him that well. And literally, he's getting super excited watching her like dance for ramen or when he when she covers up one of the cameras and then he finds her on another camera. Like, what do did you think that she disappeared in those 20 seconds that like. It's not for her safety that you're watching her at this right, at this point right now. Yeah, like you're being creepy, and like when he watches her on the roof, and he just hides behind the edge of the roof and stares at her while she cries, and it's like, oh, this is so uncomfortable out of context. Yeah, like it's so cute when she's feeding the kitten and he's watching her, and he's like. I just came up here to make sure she's safe, and now we're having this cute moment. But then he sticks around for, like, a, a real long time. You, you gotta get out of there. You gotta go. You gotta, you gotta determine the situation and go. Don't just stare. Because it happens a lot. There's multiple times. Yeah, when he's just yeah. staring. Mm. Um, the next note I took was just the climax of this episode, which was the funeral. So I don't know if you have any notes to throw in before that. Um, a couple of quick things. Nothing crazy. Um, the first that I really, really liked is when, um, they're talking about manners in the car. The JSS bro and the K2 are talking about manners in the car. And at one point, the K2 just says, yeah, don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've just always loved when that's someone's, like, really petty response to a conversation that they're done with, and they just say, don't talk to me. That's so good. I enjoyed it. But um, (laughs) from, like, a, a better analysis point of view, I really liked the scene when they get into the basement meeting room and they all turn on Eugen at the same time, all of like her fa- her extended family members and her husband and sort of her brother. Her brother is trying to be a little bit more diplomatic in the meeting. She seems to not really care for that particular... Yeah, she hates him. Yeah, she just... It does not matter. Hates her brother so much. But... I can't imagine how awful it would be to be in her shoes where she's alone in there with that pit of snakes. And she reaches this point where she tries to utilize the pen that the K2 gave her to to like get him in there, but then it gets knocked away from her grasp. And I just... I, it's one of those vulnerable moments that you don't get with her character very often that I actually really love. Because I, I made it no secret last week, I love her character so much. I'm so into Eugene's character. And 
it's all very believable, like that very vulnerable moment where she's in control of every situation all the time, and all of a sudden, all control has been taken out of her hands, and she's losing her grasp on everything. And then it leads into, yeah, that final scene as they walk down the hallway, which is, like, probably among my three favorite scenes in this whole K-drama, just because it's really good. It's one of those scenes that when you think of this K-drama in the future, you remember that scene. Yeah. That's the one. That, the rain, the walking through the sprinklers, basically in the rain. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah, because um, he, he jumps in to that, save her. It, like, obviously yeah. you've watched the episodes, but <laughs> you guys remember, right? We're all on the same page. He jumps in to save her. But that uh, moment of vulnerability that you were mentioning, I love that she gives this little backstory about her dad being a factory owner and kind of working his way up to be the CEO of this huge company. And that's why she's so invested in this company. And she's like, he was the one that would eat with his workers on the floor while me and my mom would weave baskets or whatever. And you're just his mistress, like, you don't know him, like I knew him. And it's such a, uh, it's so, I don't know, uncomfortable, because it's such a beautiful love for her father that coincides with Anna's love for her father. And it sounds like she can only see the good in her father, even though her dad had this mistress with another kid, you know, like, who else does this sound like? Oh, like your biggest enemy. Why do you have to abuse this person who's exactly like you? Right. It's amazing the the parallels they can draw between these characters. I think this K-drama has some of the most complex character relationships that I've ever seen any K-drama execute, and they do it so well. Because there's that similarity between these two enemies and they hate each other so much for what they've done to each other that they can't see the similarities between the two of them. And it almost brings me to wonder if they hate each other because they see the worst in themselves in the other. Like, I, I wonder if the madam just hates Anna because Anna is her, but Anna is like, her at her weakest. I don't know. It's just so interesting to see it all play out. I love it. I love the character relationships in this show. It's so good. And so confusing. Like, that, especially some of the meetings, like the one that was at the funeral in that locked room with a pit of snakes, I gotta tell you, it was a little confusing. I'm curious if anyone else is, like, taking notes on what the company's names are and who runs each of the companies. Because I'm like, I need a different notebook just to keep track (laughs) of what people are doing. Because then they start saying, like, they just say one thing about what they're going to change. And I'm like, wait, what will that do? But you didn't look so scared that I'm like, oh, it does a bad thing, I guess. They're going to do something bad. Like, this is a bad situation. I'm not sure why, but I'm concerned. I'm concerned. 
I know. I feel like I need a flow chart because it's like I can even keep track of like everything as far as like who owns what company, but the business nuances, I feel like that's something I'm super missing. And I don't know if it's like a like a translation thing or if it's just that I have no business sense whatsoever, but I'm kind of the same where they say one small like business term or they mention like selling off something and everyone in the room is like oh, no and i'm like yes. i don't know what this means <laughs> and later through context clues you can kind of pick up like oh yes this is what it means but it took me about 10 extra minutes to get there yes once you said translation i was just um, like that conversation about etiquette with the K2, I'm curious how different this K-drama would be if you understood Korean and knew that there's a formal way of speaking and an informal way of speaking and could understand who the K2 speaks to formally and informally. Right, because I don't know. I have no clue. I just assume he speaks informally to everyone because he has problems with authority. <laughs> but it could it could lead to a lot of yeah it could be very informative about characters and what they mean to him and the character relationships and everything but i don't know he seems to be so friendly with that little old man his his sensei i say little old man he's like he could rip me limb from limb he looks very strong <laughs> he's a very muscular man <laughs> he's a very muscular old man but he's like an older guy and i assume the KT speaks formally to him. Yeah. But I don't... Or, like, the doctor lady. I have no clue if he speaks formally to her or not. We'll never know. We'll, we'll never... never learn the language. <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible, it's impossible to learn Korean, right? <laughs> We're working on it, guys. Um, one final thing, I guess, about the funeral scene, and then we can move on to episode six. I just really love... Um, the part where she's watching him, they're walking down the hallway, it's playing that really beautiful theme song uh, that they have, and she's talking about how there's nothing she could possibly do to tame him. He he functions as, like, a lone wolf, and he, she didn't give the command, but she, he just knew what he needed to do. And it was such a cool scene, because you can see the affection she's developing for him and how much she wants to be able to trust him, knowing full well there's nothing she could ever do that would put him under her control. And that's the only way she ever trusts people is when they're under her control. But despite all of that, like she's feeling what she's feeling and it's a really good scene. It's so good. The lines are written so poetically. I love it so much. I love it so much. Good job. See, that's why you remember scenes like this from the K2. That's why it lives on forever in your memory. So well done. So well done. And then he gets invited to Cloud Nine. Oh yeah, that's the end of the episode. Is like the, the doors opening to this tron like hallway 
I love Ji Chang Wook's expressions. Like when he realizes the elevator isn't going up, it's going down, and he just has the most just upset, confused expression, and it's really good. He's so good because he's not like freaking out. Yeah. It's very subtle. But you can tell that something's wrong. Right. He's like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense at all. Where where am I headed? But he just goes along for the ride, because he can probably handle it. Yeah. I love him so much. Um. So yeah, episode six starts with him getting in there. The introduction to Cloud Nine and the mirror. Which is such a cool concept. It's terrifying, but it's amazing that there's just, like, this AI under this very manipulative person's control that can deliver her any information she desires to have. Yes. It's so cool. Then she hands all that power over to him, because once again, it's like she can't help herself. It's like... Look at his face. Anyone's in love with him. He looks like a little baby deer. Looks like a little baby deer. Can't help it. Give him anything. <laughs> um, but I think she makes him tell her about his backstory and Rania before she'll tell him anything. So I think we that's the point where we finally get the whole story. I think that's all of it. Yeah. Which is that he was framed for killing Rania. It wasn't just that she died, it's that... She died, and then he had to go on the run as a traitor and a criminal because of her death. So, even more sad than we ever could have imagined. Yeah. Um, He delivers a really, really rad line at that part, too, when she is trying to convince him that he has to move into the JSS apartment so she can keep an eye on him now that he's a member of Cloud9. And he says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not one of your slaves. And she was like, I've never betrayed anyone that hasn't betrayed me. And he said, an owner who didn't betray his or her slave has never existed. Dude. Dude. (laughs) K2. Deep. So good. I'm all about those one-liners. Um... And in case you forgot, the K2 is brought to us by Subway. Subway! (laughs) Subway's back! Just in case you forgot, every single K-drama is brought to you by Subway. So just look out for it. Do you need a Subway sandwich? Are you sure? Have you seen how they eat Subway sandwiches in every K-drama? Rethink your options. Go to Subway. J4 is taken too, because they're that good. They're just so good. (laughs) Subway, it was (laughs) featured heavily in one of these episodes. Was it episode 8 that was, like, basically filmed in a subway? Pretty much, yeah. There there was, like, a subway (laughs) worker. I'm, like, I feel like every episode has a scene in a subway with someone holding a subway sandwich. It's just that good. They're getting what they paid Sub- for. The spice of life. <laughs> Eat fresh. Oh. <laughs> their other slogan. <laughs> Raquel knows their lesser known slogan, Eat Fresh. I uh I just watched a lot of TV growing up. <laughs> <laughs> their more popular slogan 
Subway, the spice of life, <laughs> I think defines their love of K-dramas a little bit more. Yep. Subway, do it for the drama. <laughs> so this um, episode six is when Anna runs away. I wrote, Anna steals all but J4's Subway and hits the lamb. Gets yep. on the lamb? What's the, what's, the, what's the phrase for running away? On the lamb. On the lamb. Yep. Okay. She gets on that lamb, <laughs> as they say in America. <laughs> rides the lamb. <laughs> and uh, runs to try and meet her dad. And that doesn't go super, super well. It's interesting. She gets a lot of interesting little stories. Yeah. We learn a lot about her childhood and the area she grew up and why she's so obsessed with, like, why she's so sure that her dad will come for her someday. Because he wasn't always a bad dad. Go figure. He was actually a really good dad. There's a scene at the amusement park at the end of this episode where it's a flashback of him being like the world's best dad. He is so cute. And it actually took me a long time to remember that he was a married man and he is the scum of the earth. Yep. Who like is driven by his ambition and only his ambition and everything else takes a sideline. But in this flashback, he's a good dad. Super cute. Yep. So conflicting. Yeah, thanks, K2, for making it impossible to fully hate anyone. So, Anna goes on this little adventure, and I feel like it's all a setup that Eugene planned out, like, ten years ago. She goes to the photo studio, which leads her to the hospital, which leads her to the old lady being like, Eugene did it all! And then Eugene's like, you think if I knew that there's a witness that I would let her live, and you're like, yeah, I think you would, because she's crazy, and nobody would ever believe her, and I think you wanted to say this line for the last ten years to mess with Anna. You're so good. You've been waiting. Oh, she's, like, she goes full savage on Anna, 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 um, on Anna, in this episode, and it's hard to remember that I love her in those moments, but also it's, like, illustrative of why I love the character, because there's no low for her. Like, there's no low she won't hit, and it's messed up, but it's well done. Because she pretty much says, you and your mother were meaningless to your father, and your mother was just blackmailing him. You've always been a burden, and if you loved him, you'd just disappear. So crazy! Yeah. Because it just leads, I don't know, lays a good trap for her dad. Because later, we're just going to skip around a lot, later her dad comes to visit, and he just walks right into it, because he's like, I can't show you, Jin, how much I care about my daughter. Or he'll kill her. Or she'll she'll kill her. So he's like, I gotta pretend a little bit like I don't care so that I can have the upper hand over Eugene. And then he says all the things that Eugene wanted him to say so that Anna will break. And it's effective. 
It's super effective. Yep. This whole show is just us watching Anna be tortured, and that's why it makes And then it... being like, we hate Anna. <laughs> yep. That's why it makes it so hard to feel our feelings about her. We I have just want Anna to be left alone so that we can be righteous in our feelings. <laughs> we hated our first people. Come on. Leave Get her alone. Mine. You can't just bully people you hate. <laughs> um, just a couple of like small things about that episode. Uh, they, at one point, are singing to the song Nearer My God to Thee, but the words are different, which I thought was interesting. I grew up in a religious household, and I did have a favorite hymn. My favorite hymn was Nearer My God to Thee. Not really for religious purposes, so much as I just think it's a pretty song. But if you love it for religious purposes, that's cool too. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that the words, it's kind of that thing where it's like you put a song into Google Translate and then you translate it back. It's like they probably had to do a different translation to make the song make sense to the tune in Korean and it's still like very religious or whatever. But uh, then when you translate it back into English, it's a completely different song. Well, never would have known that. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Behind the scenes fact. What a fun fact. I tried to look up a behind the scenes fact, but I couldn't find it because I'm not a big enough K-pop fan. Because I was curious when Anna dances around with her ramen, if it plays a Girls' Generation song, since Immuna is a member of Girls' Generation. Oh, yeah. But it was not listed on the soundtrack. But it did show uh, the song she sings at the church. What is the song called? Amazing, Amazing Grace. Grace. <laughs> Amazing Grace. <laughs> Went right out of my head. She just, it does have Amazing Grace on the soundtrack, which I thought was the most beautiful song. But also it's added beautiful because every single person starts crying. Yep. Anna. Everyone, Eugene, the whole church, the little old lady they walked in. I think Eugene would cry. Right? I think she's crying for a different reason, but still. I think it's less the beauty and more like she's watching her world crumble. (laughs) She's too stressed. Too stressed. Just have to cry it out. Um... Just the last thing I liked about this episode, since we're hopping around, I just really like the, the friendship that Eugene and the K2 were building. It's like a weird friendship, but I like it a lot. I love hate it. It makes me so uncomfortable. But I'm happy, in a way, for both of them. Yeah. Like, they're the only two people the other can't manipulate in this world. I actually think the K2 can kind of manipulate Eugene a little bit, which is amazing. <laughs> His superpower is to be uninfluenceable by all, including, like, the most dangerous woman in the world. But I feel like the K2 can influence Eugene, and Eugene can influence literally everybody in Korea. So (laughs) whether or not she can influence the K2, she can get the whole world to work against him in a moment. So she's got her, her stronghold still. Yeah. That she does. Interesting. Yeah, and then the cliffhanger for this episode. 
was Anna eating strawberry ice cream because the K2 tells her that her dad brought it for her. Oops. Nice. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. I mean, she made the choice there. And it's even more sad that she decided to eat it at all. It's just heavy. It's just heavy. Um, poor kid now. Yeah. Um, also poor K2. He has to live with that. Yeah. Glad she didn't die. I feel like, so he gave her CPR at the end of the episode. I don't really know much about CPR. I thought you also had to do chest compressions, but Pretty it sure. seems like, seems like that was foregone just for the breathing part. But I think the beginning of episode seven, they just focused like way too much on it. They, like, try and make it a romantic moment, I think, but there's literally nothing romantic about someone dying on a park bench and someone else just, like, mouth-breathing into them. That's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, maybe it's just me being like, I love them together. But I was like, I feel like they're trying to play this as a romantic scene. I felt like it was... Yes. It's not. No. It's not a romantic scene. They're not kissing. They're doing CPR. She's dying. She's she's ha- going into anaphylactic shock. But okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Stop playing the good music. <laughs> so weird. Um, so he saves her, obviously. And then she has a dream where she remembers the night her mom died. Someone... Someone was behind the door, and they, like, grabbed her from her mom's bedroom. So the mystery piles up. Yep. What? Who? Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? Who's the man behind the door? Maybe the nicest part about us having seen this K-drama before is no one's getting, like, really trash predictions from us. Like, we just have <laughs> to keep our lips sealed on stuff. If you guys want to make predictions, though... You can email us, and then we can, I don't know if we'll confirm it or not, like, whether or not it's true, but we can laugh. Just kidding. I wouldn't laugh at you guys. That would be mean. I'd only be excited to hear from someone. Yeah, we can laugh with you if you want to laugh. We'll email you back and be like, oh, I just want to say yes or no. I just want to confirm or deny. But yeah, we know who the man behind the door is, so we're not going to share. That's been the hardest part of this podcast, is being like, did we already see that there's someone behind the door? Did we already see everything that's happened with Rania? I'm so glad we're at least watching four episodes at a time. Because mm-hmm. if we just watched one episode, I would not be able to keep up with the flashbacks and right. what was happening. Oh my Just be gosh. like, we know this, and Raquel would be like, we know that from the past. Please do not spoil the whole podcast. <laughs> like, we for sure only know this because we watched it two years ago. <laughs> yeah, but with four episodes worth of flashbacks, we can piece together things a lot quicker. Yeah. I do think, like, last episode, we for sure were like, he was framed for Rania's murder. And then in this episode, or, like, in one of these episodes, it was like, I was framed for Rania's murder. And I was like, oh, shit. Didn't mean to give that away. (laughs) Didn't mean to give that away? Is that our best? (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, guys. We're doing our best to not remember everything about this. This (laughs) K-drama. 
everyone who has ever seen Anna could die, and the K2 figures that out. He has to have it spelled out for him, and then he's like, oh, this is like my one dumb moment that I get, right? Where I realize why we couldn't go to the hospital. K, I'm there. Yeah, because he saves um, Sejin's life, and then rushes in, in exchange. He's like, you're going to go see Anna. And Seijun is like, you're a big dumb idiot right now. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to know. Like, you're only doing dumb stuff. Like, it's too late. We're here. But also, this is very dangerous for everyone involved. Yay! Yay, good K- job! <laughs> yeah, K2 gets one dumb moment, and that's what it is. Taking Pop Pop to see Anna, which is what we all wanted, but it was so much sadder than I could have ever imagined. Oh my gosh, I wrote notes about how it was just sad. Like, he couldn't say anything he meant, and so he just came off as the world's most despicable person, which is fair. He could very well be, but also he has some human feelings that he wasn't allowed to express. And then she had to be like, oh, did mom blackmail you? And he couldn't say yes or no, because, once again, walked right into Eugene's trap. Oh, that's so hard to watch. That actor is so beautiful in that scene, because you can tell he's so crushed by everything that Anna says. But he's like, I'm going to play right into the douchebag role. And Eugene's just like, why did I marry such a douchebag? Yeah, like, what a monster. You're like, that's what you're supposed to think, Eugene. (laughs) I'm so glad that his trap is working, but also... You did well. You did good. God, at what price? Poor Anna. So she's thoroughly destroyed, Anna is, by the end of that convo. Um... And then the next morning, she's like... Jeha, you're not my dad. Like, don't keep doing these nice things for me. Like, why did you not... do this? What's your deal? Uh, you don't. I didn't just ask like for this. Ugh. She's being a little butthole. <laughs> oh, she, yeah. So she's hurt by her conversation with her dad, so she lashes out at literally the one person in this world who cares about her. Just kidding, her dad cares about her a lot. Secretly. Secretly. On, on the VDL. <laughs> um, oh, my last note on that episode are all of these people are garbage. Because by the end of the episode, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, everyone is complete garbage. But I want to take us to Fashion Corner really quick before we hop into episode 8 and wrap it up. Uh, fashion Corner, there's one coat that Eugene is wearing when she meets with, like, the presidential contact or whatever. That was one of those slightly confusing business scenes, but I'm pretty sure it had something to do with politics and joining a party. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, a high-collared coat, and then the bottom is pleated, and she's got the sleeves rolled up to her elbows, and it almost looks like a raincoat, and I'm in love with it. I want one. She's got beautiful fashion. I'm sorry we never talk about it, because I feel like it's a little... I don't know. It's not flashy. Yeah. It's not, like, so- something that needs to be stated when it's just, like, a sleek black dress, but she wears it well all the time. Mm-hmm. 
If we don't say time. it, just know we thought it. <laughs> um, and then episode eight. I actually took a lot of notes on, but I don't have much to say about it. Because it's um, the investigation of Jung Sejun and the International Finance Group. Is that what it's called? That begins. And that's like a lot of chess pieces that are moving in directions that I'm like, okay, who's got the upper hand? I don't know. Like, it seems like Eugene. Yeah, everyone's stressed about it except Eugene, so you have to assume that everything's fine. Um, the, this was the part that it was very cathartic for me in this episode. It's pretty near the beginning of the episode after Anna has her little fit where she decides that uh, everyone is like not doing enough for her. And the K2 is just kind of like, you should grow up and act like an adult. Your dad cares about you. You wouldn't be alive if your dad didn't care about you. People are protecting you all of the time, and you don't seem to give one single damn about that. But I guess, like, we won't talk about it. How about you just take care of you, and then around the time you realize that you need me, you can thank me. I'm like, yes. Oh, that's so good. When they're driving in the car, I wrote the line. It's not a great line, but he just says, stop being a whiny crybaby. And it was my favorite line from the episode. <laughs> Preach it. He's yes. the only one that spits the realness that Anna needs. I guess he spits the realness that most people need. Yeah, he's the first person to like tear someone's ego trip down, turn it around and send it home. That's why Eugene likes him. Yep. Um, but yeah, on their way home, they get spotted and followed. I'm curious how long they were followed on that scooter, because I feel like the K2 would have been like, we're being followed. It's not like a little blue scooter with this guy with the star on his helmet is super low-key. Like, that could be two different people. Like, no, that's not... He's for sure the same person following you. Yeah, and unless they just went, like, around the corner, which I feel like that mansion is not around the corner from a subway. <laughs> um, I feel like he had to follow them for a minute, and the K2 is just like, didn't even notice. We're just going to get Anna out of this car and walk her into the house. And such begins the plan for releasing Anna's identity false or not, to the public. And, of course, the K2 has his fingers in that, in that, all those pies, and he makes sure it goes according to his plans, which is good. Yeah, he's the only one with a plan, so it has to go according to his plan. Yep. And then... But, interesting. He puts her in a lot of danger, I feel like, by outing her, but at the same time, it's like the only way she can live at this point, because she pulled a lot of stunts over a couple of days, and it's just like, well... Clearly you want out. Yep. So here, this is what it's like. This is what it's like to be the biggest vulnerability to the most dangerous person in Korea, but you ask yeah. for it. He really lays it out for her. When they sit on the rooftop later, where he's like, okay, you got what you wanted, here's what you have to do from now on. 
you have to always be in the spotlight and always be loved by millions of people so that you cannot disappear. Because as you... soon as people don't think about you, you're gone. Yeah. Oh, so good. Thanks for thanks for explaining it to the people in the back. <laughs> like me and Anna, back row, never know what's going on. <laughs> and she that still was another. That was another episode with one of the iconic scenes that you remember forever, which was the fighting with the other guard. Yeah. The two men in black. So cool. Showdown. Showdown. So good. It was. It was, like, one of the more stressful fights, because usually the K2 has no problem taking down a group of people. And then all of a sudden, he's against this one really skilled fighter, and for once, he's presented with a challenge. And it's stressful, because I'm so used to him, no problem, taking him down. Yeah, I think you told me this is your favorite fight the first time we watched this show. Yeah. It was before I really came to have that deep-seated love for the locker room fight, but... um, Because I'd say the locker room fight if I remember correctly, is my all-time favorite. But that said, this is, like, a very close second because it's so challenging, but it's really Mm -hmm. good, and it's so well-choreographed, and the setting is really beautiful. Like, they both walk down the steps, and they see each other, and they know what's gonna happen. The other guard throws the gun away. He's like, don't need this. We're gonna do this old-fashioned. We're gonna... Old-fashioned? We're gonna have an old-fashioned showdown. Hand-to-hand combat. Let's go. So, good. Uh, and then the last scene is uh, Kansu finding out who the K2 is and being like, oh, that's why he's working for the madam. He's definitely my enemy. Not a great cliffhanger, in my opinion, but it was fine. Yeah, I guess we know. We know he knows. He knows we know. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Five minutes. I'm ready to watch the next four. These four were admittedly felt a little slower. Like, it was slowed down from the first four episodes. So I'm ready to get back into it and watch the next four and be like, get that energy back up. Yeah, if I remember correctly, the next, like, eight episodes are just a crazy roller coaster ride. So... I'm ready for Here it. Here we go. Uh, Jump on. We never brought up that uh, we, I guess we can wait until some of the next episodes when we get to see it again, but we get to see the K2 running in the last four episodes at some point. He's, like, jogging, working out. Me and Em spent a whole month talking about how beautiful it is when Ji Chang Wook runs. <laughs> Ji Chang Wook, I just want a video of him running that I can watch while I run. For inspiration, yep. Inspiration. I'd say my particular, uh, a very good description for my particular running is the lumpy shuffle. Like, just, <laughs> just keep moving your feet, Raquel. That's awful. Just keep going. I had a knee reconstruction a couple of years ago, so I still have a pretty bad limp. <laughs> so we are quite the pair. We used to run together, and I just, M's husband Jason would come with us. And he would, 
I would always just be thinking about how we must look like M limping and me just like doing my just keep moving Raquel just keep moving my little shuffle (laughs) (laughs) cutest pair yep not the strongest runners but best friend (laughs) watch out for Ji Chingwick he's gorgeous uh, anytime he runs, like you can slow down the 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 tape if you want, replay it, <laughs> get a clip, send it to us. If anyone knows how to make clips out of oh, guys, listeners, we never ask, we ask you for a lot. We do, I know we do, but if any of you do have this. the skill set to make just like like a. 10 to 20 second video of Ju Ching Wook's run. Like, I don't know if it's multiple clips or if, like, you just want to, like, loop a clip. I don't know. But if you could make that for us, it would mean, Do it. It would mean the world. Okay. <laughs> if you make that, please send it to us at plankpodcast at gmail.com. Just, just attach it in an email. That'd be great. Yep, and it like or or you can just talk to us there. But like, if you have a clip to send us, please, please. <laughs> or you can uh, get in touch with us. We have a website that you can comment and sign up for our e letter. We like to send it out. Uh, we're trying to do this thing where we just let you guys know when a new episode is up. Let us know if that's cool. If you're like, ah, that's too many emails. Also, let us know. But we just want you guys to stay in the loop. Uh, so our website is play on K. Or you can hit us up at Twitter. We are at PlayOnK. So tweet at us and let us know what you think of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, or uh, uh, what's the last thing? iTunes? Yeah. iTunes. Rate and review us on iTunes. Um, We are just PlayOnK on iTunes and we would love some comments and some reviews and some ratings. So just hit us up. (laughs) And I'm gonna go. Bye! Bye!